Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Thanks for joining us on this special Latin American Straight Talk series, featuring top ELA lawyers spanning the region from Mexico to Argentina, from Chile to Costa Rica, and all the countries in between. On the program, our guests are going to cover some of the most important labor and employment topics facing their jurisdictions today. So if your company's doing business in Latin America, be sure to listen in to the full series and get the whole picture. In this segment, let's hear from Oscar Aiken, a partner at Kerry in Chile. Thank you, Pete. Hello, everyone. Delighted to have you all here, and I hope that this presentation, you'll find it useful. I have a few topics for you that we thought it might be of interest. The first one is COVID-19 vaccination and other safety measures in Chile. This is a very common question posed by the clients about whether employers can oblige or mandate employees to get vaccinated as a condition to return to work in person. And the answer so far is no. Why is this? Basically, for two reasons. First, the health authority have said that the vaccination is voluntary. And this is due to, you know, scientific considerations. This vaccination, as, as you know, is, has been developed very quickly and it's not been fully tested in most cases. The other reason is that the Labor Board or Labor Administrative Authority, Dirección del Trabajo, as we call it, have specifically stated that the employer may not condition the return to the workplace to whether the employees are vaccinated or not. Now, this presents some interesting challenges. Not all employees and not jobs are equal. Clients have raised concerns on employees that are handling food and otherwise performing jobs that are very sensitive to the COVID. But so far, no exception to these rules that the employer cannot impose this vaccination requirement has been issued. A related issue is about whether the employers may request the employees to show what we call in Chile the pase de movilidad. The pase de movilidad is a sort of a certification that basically evidences that the employee, that the person, has completed his or her vaccination scheme. And you as a citizen are typically asked to show this to get into uh, shops, malls, and, and other public places. Interestingly, the labor authority have said that the employer may ask for the employee to show this as a condition to access the premises. But since this ultimately evidences vaccination, the employer may not condition entrance or may not condition the showing of this pass for uh, actual performance of the work. It is intended to be a tool for the employer to manage the uh, occupancy requirements of his particular premises. So you can ask the employee to show the mobility pass. Yes, if the employee does not want to show the mobility pass, basically you as an employer are stuck. You cannot deny access but you may manage your occupancy of the premises, assuming that the employee has not been vaccinated. In connection with the same topic, then what the employer can do? The employer can do a couple of things in connection with the control of this disease. Labor Board has endorsed the ability of the employer to take mandatory temperature controls 
and also to request PCR examinations. Those things employers are allowed to do. Two considerations, these measures should be set out in the employer's internal regulations called locally here, Reglamento Interno, or else in the employee's employment contract and must be performed in a fashion that is impersonal and of general application and with due consideration and respect of the employee's fundamental rights. So that's about the first topic. The next one is also a very popular concern of employers and, and, and clients, and is return to work. In our country, a law has been passed aimed precisely to address this topic, and probably the law has four main chapters or implications that you should consider. The first one is an obligation imposed upon employers on allowing or implementing remote work in certain cases. In those cases, concern as a condition first that the duties are subject to telework, the employee's consent, but more importantly, the employer will be in this situation in those cases where the employee can demonstrate that he or she has a health condition that implies a high risk of suffering severe symptoms in case of getting COVID, or the employee has to take care of a minor or a elderly or disabled person. Minor is not defined, so we need to go to the general definition of minors at civil code. So that would be anyone under 18 years old. So this presents a challenge. Second topic, employers need to prepare and implement a occupational health and safety protocol in accordance with the standard protocol drafted by the mutual aid fund, which is the administrator of the health and safety mandatory insurance for employees, sort of the workers' compensation system in the U.S., so second item here is obligation of the employers to have this, this protocol on health and safety concerning the COVID. Third issue is that as for clients familiar with the Chilean medical leaves should know that the first three days of medical leaves are not paid by the insurance. There is an exception in this law whereby medical leaves issued in the context of COVID will be paying for the first three days as well. Last but not least, mandatory insurance for all employees doing in-person work. Employees need to hire a specific health insurance to deal explicitly with COVID. This is not terribly expensive and so far has been working pretty well. The next topic I have for you today is some general considerations on our local Telework Act. This was issued in March 2020. It regulates a lot of details, the telework, including definition of remote work, telework, the right of disconnect, the ability of employers and employees to withdraw from a telework system when this mechanism has been put in place after the employment contract has been executed. This law requires the employers to provide for equipment, tools, and materials for the employee to perform the telework requires the employer to oversee and inform the employee about health and safety considerations pertaining to telework, which means getting a little bit inside the employer's home in most of the cases. Information about union activity, 
and a number of other considerations, which I don't think is it's worth going in detail. And I really want to get to the last topic, which is a new law on labor releases and discharges. This was published July 27 on our local official gazette. And this will require employers to update their templates for employment termination, including the termination letters and the general release and discharges, or finiquito, uh, as we call them. This law basically has three main topics. The termination letter shall now inform the employee that he has he or she has a right to execute an electronic settlement and release through the website of the Labor Board. That electronic release and discharge is optional. The employee may always want to sign the document in person, and this needs to be set out in the termination letter. The termination letter shall also explicitly inform the employee about the right that he or she has to make a reservation of rights when he or she is not fully in agreement with a total release and discharge. The law specifically states that the electronically executed release and discharge has the same value as the paper document that is executed in the traditional ways. And getting more into the substantive part, this law has set out three things which, although are not totally new because there has been some case law on the matter, it's worth taking note. First, the employee has the right to make a reservation of rights at the time of executing any labor discharge and release, either electronically or in person. Second, the employee is allowed to challenge any release and discharge based on advice on his or her consent, basically alleging error, duress, or willful misconduct on the part of the employer that induced the employee to execute the document. And last, it, it also restates something which is, again, not new. It's, it's also set out in the civil code in connection with general settlement agreements. And it's provided that the releasing power of the labor discharge and release is limited only to those matters that are explicitly set out in the release. So employers need to make sure that the general statement that the employee waives all claims and all actions arising out of the employment relationship may not be good enough or may not be sufficient. It would be necessary to put some more details on some specific actions and rights that the employee should be waiving. Thanks, Oscar. If you'd like to connect with Oscar Aiken, please find his contact information in the notes of this podcast. Also be sure to bookmark our website, ela.law, where you can also register to gain access from our on-demand library to podcasts and webinars, join upcoming briefings and events, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks for listening.